Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, a joint podcast from The China Project and Caixin Global. We bring you the most critical business and finance news from China. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast, part of The China Project. On this week's episode, China's first homegrown C919 has completed its inaugural commercial flight. Wanda plans to offload property assets amid fading Hong Kong listing prospects, and a Chinese chat GPT rival has filed for a Hong Kong IPO. Let's jump right in. China's homegrown C919 jet completed its first commercial flight on May 28th. This comes almost half a year after it was delivered to China Eastern Airlines. After its inaugural flight from Shanghai to Beijing, China Eastern Airlines introduced the C919 to its daily Shanghai-Chengdu route the next day. The jet will compete with Boeing and Airbus's single-aisle airliners. The jet's commercial debut marks the end to a long-haul journey for state-owned aerospace giant Commercial Aircraft Corp of China, or COMAC, which started developing the narrow-body C919 in 2008. COMAC has received more than 1,000 orders for the C919, However, a significant number of these orders haven't been confirmed as some came in the form of letters of intent. Doubts also remain over the manufacturer's ability to fulfill the orders as it still relies on foreign suppliers such as General Electric and Honeywell International. Moving on to the latest developments in China's space program. This week, China launched a team of three into orbit in the first crewed mission since the completion of its Tiangong space station last year. Led by Commander Jing Haipeng, the team includes University Professor Gui Haichao as the payload specialist and Zhu Yangzhu as the aerospace engineer. This is the first time China has sent an aerospace engineer and a payload specialist into space. During their roughly five-month stay in the Tiangong space station, engineer Zhu will help Jing control and manage the spacecraft and conduct technical tests, while payload specialist Gui will be responsible for the in-orbit operation of scientific equipment. China is the only country operating its own space station. Tiangong will likely be the only space station circling Earth after the retirement of the International Space Station, which involves space agencies in the U.S., Russia, Japan, 
Europe, and Canada. China's Manned Space Engineering Office also announced plans to land its astronauts on the moon for the first time by 2030. According to a deputy director of the office, the country has set 2030 targets to master key technologies such as crude round-trip travel between Earth and the moon, short-term habitation on the lunar surface, and joint human-machine exploration. In November, Wu Weiren, chief designer of China's lunar exploration program, confirmed with state media that China plans to remotely establish a lunar base around 2028. Returning now to Earth and turning to China's reinsurance industry, China's Financial Regulatory Agency has announced that it will issue rules for the establishment of an international reinsurance trading market in Shanghai. Since 2019, the Chinese Financial Center has sought to develop a global reinsurance hub to rival London, Hong Kong, and Singapore. Reinsurance, often referred to as an insurance for insurance companies, can help the companies spread their risk of loss. China's reinsurance industry is mainly supported by domestic businesses, but their international influence and competitiveness are limited. Industry insiders said tax incentives and unique positioning will be among the keys for Shanghai to compete with global rivals. Next up, let's take a look at the tech sector. Google-backed Chinese artificial intelligence company Mobvoi has filed for an IPO on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. The Beijing-based AI startup, known as Chumen Wenwen in Chinese, raised $230 million in seven rounds of fundraising from 2013 to 2019. The company was valued at more than $750 million in its last round of fundraising. Its investors include Google and Sequoia Capital China Venture. Mobvoi was founded in 2012 by Li Zhifei, a former Google machine learning scientist. In April, the company debuted its own AI large language model, a Chinese rival to chat GPT. We'll wrap up today's business brief with news on China's property sector. Embattled real estate giant Dalian Wanda Group is considering offloading some shopping malls and hotel assets to raise money amid fading prospects for an IPO by one of its units. Multiple sources told Caixin that the conglomerate's property management arm, Dalian Wanda Commercial, is planning to sell a luxury hotel project in Shanghai and several shopping malls across the country. There are uncertainties hanging over the share plan of Dalian Wanda Commercial's subsidiary, Zhuhai Wanda. Its third Hong Kong IPO application expired in April. Sources with knowledge of the matter told Caixin that China's Securities Regulatory Commission hasn't decided whether to allow Zhuhai Wanda to sell shares in Hong Kong and may need to consult higher-level authorities about the application. Let's turn now to Yu Kunjong, finance reporter for Caixin Global, to take a closer look at something in the news this week, the China dimension to a major intended merger of two financial institutions in Switzerland that we've all read about. Hello, Yu Kun, and welcome back to the show. Thank you, Kaiser. It's always a pleasure. Today, we're tackling a somewhat complicated matter involving the planned merger of two Swiss financial giants, UBS and Credit Suisse. So what is going on? As most of our listeners may already know, 
Credit Suisse Clubs and UBS is expected to finish acquiring it by the end of the year. But our story is about some consequences of this plant merger. And some of those consequences are playing out in China. Right. As China has been expanding its capital markets to global investors, both Credit Suisse and UBS have set up local financial joint ventures, or JVs. They have also been actively expanding their presence in China's financial sector. But when they merge, their combined presence in China's securities and mutual fund markets would become too large to comply with Chinese regulations. How so? In the securities market, Credit Suisse owns a controlling stake in a securities JV in China, and so does UBS. But China's regulations say that one company cannot be the controlling shareholder of more than one securities firm. So now you can see what the problem would be when they merge. So does one of them have to sell its stake in the securities joint venture then? That's right. Credit Suisse is actually trying to buy out the remainder of the securities JV from its Chinese partner, and the deal is almost complete. Sources have told Caixin that after it becomes the sole owner of the JV, Credit Suisse is likely to sell the entire stake. And this is also according to our sources. Citigroup is an interested buyer because Citigroup still hasn't received approval to run a securities business in China, despite having applied for a license in 2021. So is there a similar problem in their mutual fund businesses? The situation in the mutual fund businesses is slightly different. Both Credit Suisse and UBS own non-controlling stakes in their mutual fund JVs. That itself won't be a problem. But sources have told Caixin that UBS has also planned to apply for a license to run a wholly owned mutual fund management firm in China. If UBS were granted the license and proceeded with setting up the company, it would have stakes in three mutual fund managers in China after the acquisition. That would violate Chinese rules that, in principle, allow a company to hold a stake in no more than two mutual fund managers. And the solution would be... UBS will scratch its plan to apply for that license, sources told Caixin. Interesting how these two Swiss banks' merger is impacting their businesses in China. Thanks, Kaiser. Bye-bye. If our listeners are interested in more details of the story, please head on over to CaixinGlobal.com. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief was produced by Kaiser Guo and by Lin Jinbing, Zhang Ziyu, Kelsey Chung, Suzanne Wang, and Leila Hashemi at Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin at Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the other great podcasts on the Seneca Network, like the amazing China in Africa podcast and China in the Global South. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to Access from the China Project. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.